Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Today is technically the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, but that's not the name of today's Mass, and that's not actually what we call today. We call today the last Sunday before Advent, not the 24th Sunday after Pentecost, and there's a reason for that. It's because the themes of today's readings and prayers do not focus on sort of wrapping up the season of Pentecost, but rather they focus on looking forward into the season of Advent. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of in Advent, and today we sort of open the door, and we stand in the threshold, and we look ahead down the corridor of Advent, through which we will pass over the next few weeks on our way to the great Christmas banquet hall. As anybody who has been around the liturgical rhythm for a while understands, we're always preparing for something, and uh, we actually prepare to prepare all the time. And so today is a preparation for the preparation of Christmas. And that's what today's Sunday is all about, getting us ready to enter fully into the joy of the Christmas feast. In today's gospel lesson and in our readings in Matins this morning, Jesus, we heard Jesus give these apocalyptic warnings of the coming tribulation. And he says, greater than the world has ever seen or known. It's all very dark and ominous. If you pay close attention, though, to these warnings, there is a message of hope buried there in the midst of the warning, a message of hope and final exaltation. But he warns of a judgment, a reckoning that is coming, a settling of accounts, a sifting. This judgment will involve suffering. It will involve a casting out. It will involve fire and destruction. But by the same token, it also necessarily involves, if it involves all of those things, if judgment involves a casting out, it also involves a gathering in. There are goats, but there are also sheep. So it's not all bad. It really depends on what side you find yourself on. The ominous warning, which is to strike sober fear in the heart of the listener, also reassures the lover of God of his future and eternal security. So it is a great joy for those who love Jesus Christ. Why the emphasis on the second coming and judgment in this season of Advent? I thought this season was all about focusing on the joy of Christ's birth. Well, without getting into the long, complicated historical development of this pre-Christmas season, I want to point out this morning that you will not hear much about the baby Jesus, but you will hear more coming next week about the second coming, about judgment, about repentance. It's not that we are not cognizant during this season of the coming joy. It's true, if you listen carefully, you can faintly hear in the distance the angelic choirs warming up to sing joy to the world. And yet right now we're instructed to hold firm 
Stay focused and let Advent be Advent. Let's not jump ahead. Let's let this season have its full effect. And if we do Advent right, then the river of Christmas joy will run deep for us when we come to it and not be shallow. To give you briefly a bird's eye view of the gospel lessons over the next few weeks. Today, we heard Matthew 24, an apocalyptic warning of the tribulation and final judgment and second coming of Christ. Next week, the first Sunday of Advent, we will hear from Luke 21. We hear Luke's version of an apocalyptic warning of the tribulation and the judgment and the second coming of Christ. Again, we also heard it in Matins this morning, three times. The second Sunday of Advent, St. John the Baptist, who really is the main character of Advent, he figures in the next three Sundays, he sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he is the one to come. And Jesus responds saying, Blessed are those who were not scandalized by me. The third Sunday of Advent, John the Baptist declares to the Pharisees, I am the voice of one in the wilderness crying, making straight the path of the Lord and calling all to repentance. The fourth Sunday of Advent before Christmas is the word of the Lord comes to John in the desert and he came preaching the baptism of repentance. In all these weeks, in all these readings, in all these prayers, no talk of the holy bambino. No talk of the simple, amiable shepherds which we look forward to meeting in the crash. No listening to the angelic choirs warming our hearts with songs of peace, love, and happiness. Just warning of the coming judgment, a sobering call to repentance. Where is Christmas in all of this? I mean, certainly Advent is a pre-Christmas season. It is the corridor that leads, it is the corridor that leads to the Christmas banquet hall. We don't do Advent for Advent's sake. Advent is here for the sake of Christmas, the Christmas feast, the joy of Christmas. This penitential seizing, this fasting season, which is not as severe as Lent, it uses for us the theme of the second coming and calls for repentance and the warning of judgment to prepare the soil of our hearts so that we might be ready to receive and embrace the fullness of Christmas joy. We cannot, we cannot fully embrace the holy babe if we do not adequately fear the judgment. Let me repeat that. We cannot, it sounds a little backwards, doesn't it? We cannot fully embrace the holy babe if we do not adequately fear the judgment. There's an important principle at work here. We can only truly live our present lives through our end. Maybe you've heard it said, our current life is defined by our end. We live as Christians eschatologically. When the scriptures say that God loved Jacob and hated Esau, this is not God predetermining Esau's fate, consigning him to perdition. It is the revelation at Esau and Jacob's birth what they would become in their end. God sees Esau and Jacob through the lens of their final selves. This is true with all of the Old Testament saints, and it's true of you and I. Our full adoption as children of God, our immortal and glorified bodies for which we wait, 
They are realized in the here and now when we partake of the body and blood of our glorified elder brother and Savior Jesus Christ. And our goal is to live this present life according to our future salvation. We do that in the society of his church by being a member joined to his body. If we live our victorious future now in this heavenly society, then we shall be saved. And that's what the sacrament does for us. It transports us to our future glory in the now. Likewise, we are also to embrace, as our scripture readings instruct us, the coming judgment in order to work within us a sobriety, a holy sobriety a circumspect vantage of our lives and of the future. This sobriety should cause us to flee immorality, to hate worldliness and sin. We cannot be filled with the grace of the Spirit and go on in sin at the same time. We must join ourselves to the kingdom of God, which is found within the church. We must become and see ourselves as a citizen here to be a member of the community which is the very body, flesh, and blood of our risen Lord. And we have to do this in a very deliberate way. We have to choose to live according to the culture and the form of this heavenly society. That means this impacts our language, how we speak, how we think, our economics, there is a whole economic structure within this society, just as there is an economic structure in the world. We adhere to the economic structure of the kingdom of God, not of the world. We are citizens of the kingdom. Our loyalties, our loyalties, our desires, our energies, everything about us, our life here, our concrete, tangible life must be governed by the rules and the hierarchy. We have a hierarchy as well. We have bosses. We have people that tell us what to do and what not to do. And we must obey them. If you do not obey, you know, the guy out on the street with the lights on top of his car, you go to jail. We have somebody more important to obey. We have a hierarchy. We have rules. We have a society and a culture that should form us, that our loyalties are to. And our fate will be determined ultimately by what kingdom we align ourselves with. These readings of the Last Judgment, this is what is supposed to be stirring within us as we listen to these readings. Now most of us, at least some of the time, will have to admit we have one foot in both, in two different kingdoms. Now that's the struggle of our lives, isn't it? To really choose, to really decide we're going to live in the kingdom of God. Well, what happens if we have a foot in two kingdoms? Will we be saved? I love uh, the homilist to the Hebrews. I love how he resists answering this question outright. I think he very wisely 
does not answer that question. Oh, we want that question answered so badly, don't we? We want assurance that we can live with one foot in both kingdoms and still be assured that we shall be saved. But he doesn't answer the question. He prefers simply to warn us not to presume. He kind of says, well, I don't know, but I wouldn't take my chances. That's kind of how he answers the question. He says, be assured of a good end, why don't you? Why not be assured and live exclusively in the kingdom of God? Don't play with fire and tempt the Lord. That's the message of the scriptures to that question. The baby Jesus, he delights us with tears and joy and warmth and sweetness. And we look forward to this in a few weeks. I love the crash. I love carrying, you know, the little holy bambino on a platter back and placing him in the crash and spending the season of Christmas visiting the crash and saying prayers. You know, it's something marvelous. Our, our Savior is, you know, he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords riding on a white horse. But he's also, he's also right now for us, still in this life, he's still a little baby. He's still a precious, innocent little baby. We relate to him, the child, in this Christmas season that way. We know him as the Holy Bambino. And we will enjoy the sweetness of the Christmas season because we have rightly feared his second coming in terrible judgment, recognizing that all will be sifted. We can embrace him because we have prepared because we have not aligned ourselves with things that will be burned in the end and not endure. Then we will have confidence. We will have confidence and we will have the boldness of joy. Joy is bold, real joy. You can face anything with joy. It is our strength, our stability, our bulwark. Nothing else matters when we are filled with the joy of the Lord. And we have confidence of joy when we know that we have aligned ourselves in the kingdom of God. And there is no question. We've made our choice. We've made our choice. And that's all there is to it. Wild horses couldn't drag us from the kingdom of God. We've staked. We've put our stake in the ground with Christ. We've called him Lord. There is no joy of Christmas for us without the holy, sobering, life-correcting fear of judgment. And godly fear, by the way, is not psychological terror. Godly fear is a sobering awareness of the reality of things. The reality of things. It is faith that the love of God delivers us from the tyranny of sin and gets us ready by the Holy Spirit for our coming Lord. And that is our prayer this Advent. God, give us this godly fear, this sobriety, this faith, and deliver us from presumption and carelessness, which eventually, if not brought into check, will be our destruction, by the way. God, give us tears of repentance this Advent season so that we might sing with joy with the angels and the shepherds and even the beasts in the stable who witness their creator as a babe.
this season to prepare us through the second coming of Christ and the judgment so that when we come to the season of his coming, his first coming in a few weeks, that river of joy of the Christmas feast might run deep within us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.